0: You should now ask me about whether or not I live in an igloo. I think that's a perfect segue. Yes, all
1: Canadians live in igloos, right? Yes,
0: they do. Yes. 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 It's uh, (laughs) it's
1: a a third, a a third floor walk-up igloo.
0: (laughs) (laughs) My igloo has a walk-in closet that I'm currently hiding in. Yes. Of
1: course. (laughs) Fancy, very fancy.
0: Fancy. It's It's
1: it's an upscale igloo.
2: Western Christianity has spent the last 2,000 years telling
0: everyone they're separated from God.
1: This is Not Church with John
2: and Nat Turney.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, This is Nat Turney. As always, I'm joined by my uh, much, much older and less good-looking brother, John yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. Absolutely true. I
2: get no pushback at all on that. No, no. That's,
1: hey, that's, when you
2: speak the truth, there's no reason to push back. Man, that's,
1: that's not fun. You're not. <laughs> first of all, you're not much older. I mean, much worse looking for sure. But
2: older. I mean, you, you, not even by two years. But whatever. So you're we gonna, are, gonna make me, you're gonna make me drop the first f bomb like this for early into the podcast? I Fuck just you. think we Might as well Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> we we might as well get out of the way. And now Eric's gonna pull that for the tagline.
0: Yeah. Great,
1: like no context, nothing. Like screw you, screw you. I'm not saying the word John. You can't make me. But it's <laughs> just not church with John and that turn. like, well, clearly it's not because he's just chunking <laughs> f bombs like a. Anyway, oh jeez, yeah. You we we are go. joined this. We're joined this morning by a new friend. Uh, we, her name is Ellen Compton and I have her bio, which I'm going to read to you, Um, not the way she she sent it to me because it's all in first person so that would sound weird like I'm talking about myself <laughs> but um, this is her bio and I think it's awesome so Ellen Compton is a family prioritizing, coffee drinking, truth telling, authenticity pursuing, list making, God seeking, world loving, ambiverted, wine imbibing question asking, former closet writer Whew. she's a uh, pre-COVID, traveler and an educator for years. She was a worship leader at many churches and conferences and a songwriter and singer on several albums. The words laid back have never been used to describe her. She's spicy, empathetic, and honest, an unabashed over-user of hashtags and emojis. <laughs> the message written on her heart is one of identity. She's passionate about living authentically as the person she was created to be and helping others to do likewise. She lives on the east coast of Canada, so whoop, whoop to Canada, oh, Canada, with her family. Her teenagers are minimally mind-boggling and most, mostly magnificent. In addition to writing, she teaches French to high school students, and all her remaining hours are quite literally spent in her vehicle, driving the teenagers to hockey practices, rehearsals, horseback riding, and to visit friends. It's a full, imperfect, and wonderful life. Welcome to the podcast, Ellen Compton. Also, friend of David Hayward, aka the Naked Pastor. We need to get that out of the way right out the gate. So, <laughs> welcome.
0: Thank you so much. Thanks, guys.
1: You bet. I have to ask you, um, because of all of the things that you that you said about yourself, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna harp on one. Okay. What the hell does ambiverted mean?
0: Oh, real yeah. Is it like
1: introverted and extroverted? Yeah, yeah it is.
0: I am right in the middle. Right in the middle. So when I'm in a public situation, when I'm, I'm very social, I like people, I'm not nervous around people, I can communicate, uh, but I'm actually, I recover like an introvert. Like I need a whole lot of alone time. And it, you know it's a struggle because I will be excited to be invited somewhere, but then when it's time to go, I really don't want to go anymore and I feel sick about it. And then I get there and I have an amazing time. And then when it's done, I'm exhausted and I don't want to talk to anybody for the next. Huh. It's it's a, a, right in the middle of both of those That's things.
1: amazing. Hmm. You just described me to a T. Huh. That's, I've been searching for this word for <laughs> there you go. 49 years. That's what I am. Because people don't understand that introverted people can sometimes act very extroverted.
0: Yes, yes. And then they go, well, but you're an
1: extrovert. I see you, you're gregarious and outgoing and yada, yada. Yeah, but then I need, like you just said, I need, I need... 24 hours of nobody talking yes. to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I can I, recover. I don't have to leave my house. If there's if there's a weekend when I don't have to go anywhere and I can stay in oh, pajamas for 24, glorious. 36, 48 hours, I die of happiness. I am not oh, yeah. really, I am not sad. I am just happy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I, I like to go. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, we talked to Meg Calvin about this, uh, the introvert, extrovert thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being, I, I outed myself on that interview. So being an introvert is something that most introverts don't want to talk about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the last thing we want to do is talk about being an introvert and right. having more attention put upon ourselves. But I do relate mm-hmm. to uh, some of the things you say. So, you know, I, I still consider myself an introvert, but man, I mean, one of the things that I do is I, I will literally make plans myself. I will set up plans. And, and then, then I want will, to go. And then Brian's I will do everything in my, no, to be with people, to hang out with uh, you know, like set up a, uh, like a group of, like to go somewhere and do something with a group of people. And then I will do everything in my power until that day to figure a way out. Yes. I mean, as soon as, <laughs> as soon as I figure out, as soon as I make those plans, the anxiety and the nervousness and everything starts to build and it just compounds daily as the, as the event is coming up. And if no. I can figure a way out, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. I'll festival. take the out. Yeah, yeah.
0: There was a meme going around a while ago. I find memes really, really funny. I don't know why, because I know there's people that really are. Are. make me funny, but there was <laughs> one about, um, you know, I know I said I would have coffee with you, but that was two hours ago when I was younger yeah. and more full of hope or something like that.
1: But I'm flipping, flipping like, through your book. You? you know, <laughs> I'm I'm flipping through your through your book. And by the way, um. Ellen has written a magnificent book called Good Things Happen in the Dark. Yeah. It has a great tagline, which I can't remember off the top of my head. But, a Candid um,
0: Manifesto for Courageous Authenticity.
1: There you go. A Candid Manifesto for Courageous Authenticity. By the way, that word authenticity just keeps coming up more and more and more. Uh, and I love it. Um, but I'm flipping through your book and you you describe a scene. It's early in the book where you're talking about uh, you're about to sit down and play piano somewhere. <laughs> And you you conceive of the idea of faking being sick yeah. to get the hell out of there. Yeah. And I I, I just wanted to tell you that that resonated. With, I've done it. I've sat there. I'm the, I'm the worship leader, pastor of my church, and there are times when I'm like, you know what? If I just told somebody I just threw up in the bathroom, I have to go home. Yeah. They, they they can't say anything, and I can go. And so it's so strange to have that same experience where you go when you and you're right. When I do, when I do follow through with the things that I have planned. I normally end up having a great time. Yeah. I normally end up yeah. like, like, in, like going, okay, what was I so worried about? What was the, but there is, there's always every single time without, without fail. Mm-hmm. There are moments of like, if I could get out of this, I would.
0: Yeah. The thing that I'm currently trying not to quit is I, I love musical theater. I love it. And, um, and there's a local theater company in my area that I've done stuff with for years. And there's a show happening uh, in August, it's just a three day show. They're doing it COVID style. It's like a drive in where people can mm, actually come okay. into their cars. It's a live show, but they'll have FM and, you know, they're That's out. awesome. Yeah, it's kind of a cool thing. Except I'm doing everything I can to not quit right now. I, I emailed last night. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know if uh, I haven't really heard much about it. So I'm thinking maybe I'm not on the agenda anymore. Maybe anyway, I, I'm trying not to quit that. I am going to do it because I know I will love it. I love performing and I love musical theater. And so I am not going to quit, but I'll tell you what, that's, that's the one I'm trying not to run from right now. And yeah. I almost didn't come to your podcast either, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: <laughs> full disclosure, uh, Sundays, because we do all our recordings on Mondays. So, um, Sundays, my, my anxiety is like through the roof. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm a performer also. Uh, I've actually, um, done, uh, musical theater since I was seventeen. Wow! Um, yeah. Okay. So, and I've been in bands pretty much my whole life too. Uh-huh. And what uh, Nat Nat and Nat knows Zeppelin. this because we, were, uh, yeah, no, we we uh, we I've been in bands that covered Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, exactly. as as this podcast becomes a little bit more popular, a little bit more popular, you would think that this would become easier and easier because we're doing more and more. And actually, my anxiety goes up a notch. And another notch, and another notch, because what you do in the back of your head is like more people are listening, more people are taking us serious, and you get to the point where you're like, oh shit, I I need to be a little bit more on my game. I need to know what I'm saying. I need to know what I'm doing. And part of what Nat and I do on this podcast is we like to keep it kind of free and loose. We we, we don't we have no agenda when we come onto these. I we don't want it.
0: I really wanted to know what we were going to talk about. I was stuck. <laughs> oh my god! Please give me but, some questions. Give me some because, way to. Play. But, it kind of
2: pops back to that idea, that that yeah. word of authenticity, right? Because yeah. uh, and John Lynch is on the people that really kind of opened my my eyes to this idea that there's 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 something about being transparent, and then there's a whole nother level, right? Which is authentic. Authentic. Yeah. Uh, I can be transparent, but I can still hide things from you. I can only be transparent on the things I want you to see. But mm-hmm. if you're truly authentic, you're authentic. Yes. And that's 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 what I got from your book. I mean, that's yeah. your book is authentic. Uh, yes, oh. it's transparent. Yes, also. Yeah. I, I, absolutely. But mm-hmm. there's definitely a whole other level of authenticity that comes out of your book. And the, you know, the easiest way to see that is just what you're willing to talk about and what yeah. you're willing to, you know, to divulge of yourself and your family and, and the hardships that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really resonated with. I'm really to hear that,
0: that transferred, that that actually, yeah. that is coming through. That's really important. Um,
2: to me. I mean, Nat and I, I mean, the whole idea of becoming famous and going off to do Broadway. Uh, Nat and I were in a band together when we were teenagers. I mean, Nat can detest to this that we we thought we were it. We were going to be the next big rock band. I mean, that's what we were doing. We were gonna we were gonna become famous. We were gonna travel the world. And how mm-hmm. quickly did that blow up, Nat? Um, almost immediately.
0: <laughs> I was in a jazz combo for years, and I um I quickly learned. And the guys that I was in the combo with this was their this was their full time gig. This was their paycheck. And I realized very quickly, like, ooh, this is, I don't want the thing that I love to become stressful because it has to pay the bills and it's not, (laughs) you know? So yeah, yeah. the whole music thing for me has always been kind of a a side gig and a joy, a joy gig. But yeah, no, but the, the authenticity thing for me, um, I think the the book, the most important thing for me was that, or not just not the book, like the book happened kind of accidentally. It's, I. I just, I want to always be willing to go first and say the things that everybody else is thinking and feeling, um, but doesn't necessarily want to admit, or they don't realize everybody else is thinking and feeling it. It's just so, I think that comes from being a teacher too. Just wanting to yeah. normalize the human experience, to normalize feelings of like, oh, does anybody like me? Or, oh, am I so weird? Or, you know, like just to, to yeah. name those things and realize we all feel like that sometimes. And if you don't, you're probably a psychopath.
1: You know, Amen to that. You're not wrong. (laughs) That's a psychopath. (laughs) I have been so confident my whole life that I don't even resonate with anything that you're saying right now. (laughs) I've just been so sure of myself. And now it's one of the, actually I'm writing a book myself or I'm actually, I've paused writing this book, but uh, Meg is giving me hell because, uh, She's my writing coach. She is yours as well, yeah. I guess. Um, and she's awesome and she won't let you off the hook very easily. Um, but so the first conversations we've had, she's turned into my therapist more than anything else <laughs> where I she's helping me deal with the fact that, um, I just have a lot of misgivings about why anybody would want to read this book at all. Yeah, yep. And, uh, and there's, there's a lot of that, like, who, who, who cares what I have to say? Yeah. And she's, she's a great cheerleader. Rah, rah, rah. Hey, yeah. this is, this is going to be great. But she's also, um, just, she just won't let you, live in those places you know what I mean like hey no stop it now you've had your pity party get on now write something (laughs) damn it
0: (laughs) we've had a great time together we've (laughs) had such a great time my book was essentially written when we met because I just I've been writing essays for like I'm, I'm a journaler I don't like I didn't set out to write a book I just I'm sort of an essayist and I would post things and just on social media or um in a few different magazines and things but um all of a sudden I just had this collection of essays and yeah, it kind of, it kind of happened like that, but she's been more my marketing person and helping me deal with, like you say, these self-limiting beliefs about like, oh, yeah. why would anybody, and I feel like that I go through phases where I'm just like, all of my writing sounds the same. Like every single yeah. essay is the exact same essay with different words and different, and you know, but she's been, it, we've had so much fun working together. And I mean, now now we're just going to hang out and drink coffee together sometimes. And she's actually going to come visit me um, this winter at some point. We're going to meet in person. That's going to be fun. That's, yeah. That will not be documented on social media, I assure you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we, but, she's become such a good friend. We really enjoy yeah. uh, one another. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've been trying to get her to she, – she has family in Texas, you know. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, next time – she was in Texas not too long ago. I'm like, hey, you're only a few hours from me. Let's – one of these days we'll hang out. When yeah. maybe when she's not so disappointed in me for not writing.
0: Um see to see how
1: I turned that on her it's like now oh, she's disappointed in me yes. too. She uh everyone's everyone's gonna just be let down. But let let's let's talk about let's talk about this book. First of all, kudos um the title is just killer. I love it. Good things happen in the dark. Um people can't see you um on the on the podcast but you're recording in your closet and we made a joke about turn the lights off because you know hey, good things happen in the dark. Right. Um <laughs> but, and then you said your friends have been making a lot of jokes, you know, like hashtag uh, good things happen in the pub. Yeah. <laughs> good yeah. things,
0: oh, good things
1: happen in your car. No,
0: or every, every opportunity, you know? Yeah. Good, yeah. Things, good things happen in the car. Good things happen yeah, in the good, things happen good things happen. Yeah. On, but, I
1: lo- I, but I do love the premise and it's, I, I wanted to ask you before, I, before I just let you just turn you loose to talk about it. Is there sort of a Jungian kind of like shadow self point to this book like hey we need to embrace those parts of ourselves that sometimes we try to hide and obfuscate um or is it more of uh like the darkness is a is a metaphor for a lie? in in the opening little gambit of the book you start to, you, you do a really good job of talking about being planted and how things tend to grow in those dark spaces um so I don't know if there was maybe a combination of those things or am I way off yeah, the mark with say, young?
0: No, I'd say you're absolutely on the mark. It's And it would definitely be both. Like I love, there is a quote in the book. I am a, like a massive quote nerd. So going through and choosing quotes for the beginning of each chapter was like the yeah. joy of my entire life. So <laughs> right. All of these favorite things. But there is one in there that's a young one about like basically you can't, you cannot evolve or go to heaven or whatever if your roots don't go down to hell. And wow. so there is something about Yeah. Embracing all of it. And, um, you know, the fact that like Brene Brown here, I'll just throw it all the, all the big, but but she always, I mean, her big thing has always been like, you can't numb, you can't numb the hard stuff. Right. If you, if you start to, if you try to close behind, you know, like put away all the hard things and the bad, the bad feelings, the things we consider bad, um, and only feel the good ones. You can't do that. If you numb one part, you numb all the parts. And if you want to mm. experience joy, and you want to experience wholeness, and you want to experience contentment, you have to feel the shit. You have to. Yeah. Um, am I allowed to swear? Sorry, I didn't even ask. you. That, but... Oh, yes. you already did. As
1: long as you followed up the story.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> I am Sorry. Canadian, you should now ask me about whether or not I live in an igloo. I think that's a perfect segue. Just yes, like, well, all
1: Canadians live in igloos, yes, right? Yes,
0: they do. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. yes.
0: It's, uh, <laughs> it's
1: a, a third, a, th- a third floor walk-up igloo. <laughs> yes.
2: <Like. laughs>
0: My igloo has a walk-in closet that I'm currently hiding in. Yes.
2: Of wow. course. Yes. Fancy, very fancy.
0: Yeah. fancy it's, an up,
1: it's an upscale igloo. <laughs> <laughs> very, very right. Canadian.
0: Yes. Um, no, I anyway. Back to yeah, I and for me also. Um, I, I, realized early on in my life that if, well, no, I shouldn't say I realized early on, I realized probably in my late twenties, mid thirties, that would probably be when the revelation really happened is that, Hey, if I don't start, uh, being content in my life, if I don't stop waiting for everything to be okay, then I'm going to miss my entire life. I'm going to yeah. miss everything because life's friggin' hard. There's a good Canadian word. It is. And it's like, you can, you can play the game, you can do all the right things. You can be such a nice person. You can go to university, you can, whatever, go to church, do all the things um, that should equal, you know, happiness and contentment and joy. Um, And life is still really hard and really terrible things still happen um, to everybody. Um, So if if you're going to be happy, then you got to be happy right now. Um, and that's, that's really where the book has come from. Like, and it's, um, and that's the tag on my website used to be truth from the trenches because it's like, I am not, I am never coming from a place of, Oh, Hey everybody, I've got this whole thing figured out. And if you just do it like this, you can be happy like me and life's perfect. I'm like, no, it's friggin' tough. And I am down here in the mud and trenches with everybody else trying to be a parent, trying to, um, trying to be a decent person, trying to feel successful, trying to like myself, trying to have whatever, good relationships. Uh, and that hasn't worked out so well for me so far.
2: <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> sure, well we're just going to leave that one alone.
1: But- well, we'll, we'll just put that one to the side for now.
0: Yes, we're just going to park that. But yeah. Sure, sure. It comes from that for sure.
2: Well, I mean, I, I when I tried to do the church thing again a few years ago and um, was... Preaching, I was a, I was the worship pastor uh, slash associate pastor, right? And uh, you get into that mold where you have to be the one who everyone thinks has it together, Um, and all of a sudden you're the one who can't question anything. But in the back of my head, I'm like, what if all the shits just not even real? What if, what if, what if I, what if this is just a huge con game that I bought into? And so you get to the point where you can't even write a sermon because you don't even believe what you're putting down on paper, right? Or or putting down on your iPad or whatever you use to write your sermon. Um and you you get to that point where it's like, I I'm just gonna I either need to accept it all or I have to like let it all go. And let's see what 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 sticks and what stays. And it seems like that's kinda uh, what you're talking about too, is just like this idea of um you hold on by letting go, right? I mean, I think, um, I know we've heard that before. I I, I can't remember who said it, but... Um, Frozen. If
0: you no. love something, let
2: it go. <laughs> <laughs> let it go. Oh, oh no, my not that one. But it was the whole if thing you about, <laughs> you know, the, the closed <laughs> fist, right? Holding something in a closed yeah. fist or holding oh, something yeah. or, or letting it... Um, yeah. But it seems like that's kind of where... Part of the direction you are talking about in your book is yeah. this idea of, of letting go of certainty Letting yeah. go of, um, but I mean, how do you even? I mean, I'm not asking you to say how do you get to that point because I don't think there's a point that you get to, right? It's not a point like it's like I've now reached there. And I am now certain that I'm yeah. not certain, and I'm good yeah. with that. Uh, yeah. The the downside of being okay with uncertainty is there's other times... that you still have those times where you're like, oh shit.
0: Yeah. This for this, me. This is
2: all. This is all just a pile of crap, and I don't know what I'm doing anymore.
0: Yeah. I mean, I do recount some some experiences in the book um, that will sound probably a little bit woo woo to some people. Um, but anyway, like these experiences of whether it's just like a, a little thought process I had or like a, you know, it's, I won't, don't want to say vision. That makes me like, ugh. but, you know, <laughs> but where, basically where everything fell down, you know, like where everything just crumbled, like massive earthquake that just like flattens everything. And I've had these experiences many times throughout my life where it just all got, It's almost like anytime structures get built up around something in my life or, or I, I don't know that something will happen that just like flattens, flattens the entire thing. Um, and in, in this experience I had, like, I felt like it was Jesus. Um, but I was aware of this person beside me that basically I was like, Oh my God, like, look at this mountain of rubble. I don't even know what I believe anymore. I don't know what's real, not real. Um, and in this sort of, image that I had, uh, I was on my hands and knees and basically Jesus kind of came along and pushed up his like, little Jesus sleeves and was like, right, let's do this. Um, and said here, this is, this is real. This is real. Keep this, or this is bullshit. Yes. Jesus said bullshit to me. Um, <laughs> and, or, this is, um, you know, this is, this is human made. This is like, this is, this is not me. This is just part of the container. This is not me. This is good. Keep this. And at the end, like I just had this very small little pile of things that were actually true and meaningful. Um, And then I feel like that has to happen for me every so often. I have to get shaken up again because I start to collect garbage again somehow, you know, and I feel like that happened again. I am like, I'm a pastor's kid. Um, My, uh, my first years were spent in Southern California. My dad went to seminary in Southern California and then came back to Canada when I was like five, six years old and was in a mainline church. Um, for well, till I was a teenager and then my parents divorced, and then I was in a vineyard church for many, many years after that do you guys Ooh. know that? oh yeah you oh, know yeah. okay oh yeah yeah so I was I was there for all the crazy I was there for um, all of it and uh, actually Dave that's where Dave and I met is they they joined the church that I was already a part of and then he ended up becoming the pastor there and anyway, it was quite a wild ride there were some really amazing parts and some really brutal parts but um, anyway, I ended up you know, I was a worship leader. I ended up giving a lot of time to the church, um, really, yeah, speaking at women's conferences, doing stuff like that. And then um, just a few years ago, and I've always been able to be a maverick. That was like a word that I felt really was a label that I allowed to stick. I was like, yeah, I'm a maverick. I can be in an institution and not necessarily adhere to all of the tenets. You know, I can be like yes to that, like, yes to what you're saying, pastor, absolutely not to that, or, ooh, I'm having no part of that, yes, I believe that, no, I could just do that, I could sit and do that, but um, it got to a point, and I had an experience, this was, this is probably three and a half years ago now, where um, I started to get more comfortable, and as I said, I'm a, or as you said, I don't remember, I am a teacher, and so words like bully, and bystander, and victim, those are part of my common vernacular, and um, and I started to feel like, huh, I think I might be a bystander for some of these things because I would speak up and I would talk. And yet I continued to align myself and be on stage and, uh, you know, yeah. It, and I, and I started to get more and more uncomfortable until there was, I don't know if I should tell this story. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell it. <laughs> um, but there was, um, this was about three and a half years ago and I was on stage at, what is a pretty big church by Eastern Canadian standards? About to lead worship, and the promo video for like the next sermon series came up, and the topic. Uh, my stomach sank. I just went, "Oh my gosh!" And I knew, I knew that was it. I knew I could not continue. Um, and it was to do with affirming, non-affirming things, you know, of that nature. And um, and I, I was just like, no, this is it. I'm done. I, I can't. Um, I, I cannot have my face up on a screen." And have people think that I believe this because I don't. Um, And so um, I did fulfill my last. (laughs) This is the part I'm worried about telling, but it's kind of funny. So um, the last time I led worship, I did fulfill my whatever my schedule to a point. Um, And the last time uh, the the worship pastor, who's a really good friend of mine and still is, I said, I just want you to know. I said that it is taking all of my self-control and all of my, all of my maturity and everything to not run across this stage with a pride flag right now before I leave worship. Hmm. <laughs> I said
2: <was
0: like, laughs> It's only because I love you and I don't want you to get in trouble that I'm not doing this. I just want you to know that. And, um, and so, yeah, that was, uh, that's kind of where it ended for me. Um, and that wouldn't be where, you know, like my faith is certainly, my faith is very much faith. It is very much uncertain. And as we, we were yeah. chatting a little bit beforehand, like it's, it makes me laugh when, uh, if faith is certain, then I'm sorry, but you do not have faith. You have right. faith because faith is by very definition. We don't know. We can't fully see. We don't fully know. We just, we just trust or believe yeah. or think or, and that, you know, and it's a, it has to be a living, changing, morphing, evolving thing. And, uh, yeah. and that's really where I've been yeah. for the last few years where I have, uh, I have no certainty. I have no certainty. I, um, and yet I have all of the hope and all of the peace and the joy and the, um, yeah, I still think that the divine is good and that, um, there, that there's something and that there's, um, and I don't like to use the language that I used to use only because it gets associated with a particular brand of religion. Right. And I don't like yeah. that, um, but... Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, it's been a weird... It was a weird um, exit into... Uh, sorry, I'm talking a lot here.
2: No, no. you should. Like, yes, you're gonna absolutely.
0: You you're going to wish you could mute me. This is... Nah. <laughs> <laughs> My experience was one of... Um, I felt like... I got okay, and I'm very, uh, I'm like very much a metaphor lover. It's, I'm a big nerd, um, metaphor queen or king, whatever you want to be. And I felt like, um, I was standing on the earth on this little blue and green planet, and all of a sudden I felt like I just got ejected. I had this picture of myself just being like shot out through, like up into the sky, out through space through the earth's atmosphere. And I felt like I got the shit kicked out of me. I'm not going to lie. Like all those things that are orbiting the earth's atmosphere, like asteroids and whatever else is out there. And all of the things leaving the earth's atmosphere was a rough departure. It, it beat me up and it left me. Uh, I was like, Oh, it was terrible. You were like, okay, no, I'm going to go back. I'm just going to go back. This is painful. This is hard. And then all of a sudden I just went poof, and I felt like I was out in big, wide open, quiet space. Like, Dark and bright at the same time, and all of a sudden, I had—I felt like I had perspective. And it's not, oh, I'm so enlightened. Me and the Dalai Lama are like, ooh, we're tight. You know, I don't—I'm not, <laughs> yeah. not suggesting that, but I did feel like I—I I got to experience this different perspective where it's like I could see Earth and I could see, and I felt such love and appreciation. I'm looking at all these little people running around and like, but it was almost like, why are they doing that? Why do they do that? Why is that? And the things that I thought were important were not important. And um, and yet, I still felt this immense sense of love and appreciation and joy. And um, it's funny, my friend Hannah and I were just talking last night. She's the friend that was over that I drank some wine with. Um, She actually is. She knows Brad Dersat because she's from that town. Um, Anyway, but we were talking about. I was sharing that experience and talking about it and reading reading her an essay that I'd written about it, which is not in the book. And um, she was talking about what's it called. it's something astronauts experience. I can't think what it's called right now. But that feeling of seeing the earth for the first time from space and they have yeah. this perspective shift that never goes away and they just right. and it's you realize that this is this is just one tiny little part and actually god if you want to use the word god is so expansive and so huge and so embracing and so all and yet down on earth we have these little rules and these little containers that we uh, that we want to understand and control and make certain. And it, it, it just isn't. It just isn't. It's so big and so fast. That was, yeah, right. I think
2: we, we, uh, <laughs> I, I think that the, the phrase you, once you see, you can't unsee, or once you learn, you can't unlearn has become kind of like a mantra for me. And I believe for Nat as well. Uh, when we start looking at, you know, the true nature of, of God, the true nature of the divine. Or spirit, whatever you want to call it. And that was one of the yep. one of the first things they had to like burn away from me was this idea that Christianity, first of all, has this like complete hold on what God is. Yeah. And and then we just ignore the millions and millions of people who aren't Christians and say that their their opinion of whatever their uh how they see God or what God is to them or the divine is to them has no value. And so that was like one of the first Once I saw that I couldn't unsee it, you know, and I had to, I had to like welcome people of different faiths into my, into my journey. And, um, your, your metaphor or your description of like, you know, leaving the earth and going out into the vastness of space is a, is a perfect way to, to kind of explain that. Because then you do, you, you look out on this little green, blue planet Mm -hmm. and realize that there's, so much that we have that's alike and so little that we, you know, we, we we spend so much time on the little things that make us different and we just ignore all the, the, the vastness that
0: makes us the same. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that um, the, oh, I just lost my train of thought, but the um, I think as a language teacher, I am a, I'm a French teacher and, um, and I love language and the fact that um, like the word water or agua, or lo, or van, if you're Scandinavian, you know, those all mean water. Those are all words for this, the exact same thing. And none of them are wrong. None of them are wrong. And yet we have, you know, we have all these, like you say, these words or um, expressions and Christianity has sort of like said, hey, God, you know, this we have this word. We have this word when maybe, and I'm not saying all gods are one god or don't everybody freak out. We're okay here, but I'm not saying <laughs> that. But, <laughs> but at the same time, for me, it is very possible that we are all just using our own culture, our own language, our own expressions of whatever to talk about the same thing—that same experience right. of vastness and divine—and and maybe some people are way off the track. Who knows? You know, I'm sure they are because there's crazies everywhere. But I think there's probably a lot of us on this little tiny green and blue planet talking about the exact same thing, um, and just using different language. And it's not wrong. It's just a different word for the same thing. It's just semantics or yeah.
1: Well so much of what you uh what you talk about too in this book and I really wanna uh, first of all, I love you. I love your use of metaphor. I'm a I'm a a bit of a metaphor geek myself. And so when I, when I find somebody who uses that language well, I go, ooh, all right, this is going to be good, you know? (laughs) And you got me out of the gate with the, um, with the hermit crab analogy. Oh, yeah. And then, then, which I just, I I, honestly, at this point, and I can't think of of a more perfect description of what it's like to grow and the, and the in between spaces where you're completely vulnerable. Where you've outgrown the shell you've lived in, looking for the next place of residence. But first you have to exit the safety of the one you've outgrown.
0: And it sucks. It sucks. And it sucks
1: because everything, and I've, and I've been in that place where I've like, so you, you talked about, you know, being in a, in a, you know, a church that you had basically outgrown. Um, I was, I've done this twice, three times at least. And the most painful of those was, When I became aware of what you had said you became aware of was I was a bystander um, watching this institution hurt people that I loved and standing by because it had not yet personally affected me. I have only one real regret about any of that. And the only regret is I didn't exit sooner in protest with people that I saw who were mistreated. I should have I should have left in solidarity with them and said, you know what, this is how you treat people and screw you. Um, Being a bit mercenary myself and being younger um, and needing a job, there were times when I was like, I looked the other way. And, but as I outgrew that system and moved on to the next one, there was that Egypt pull. And you talk about that in the book too, where you're like, man, Egypt sucked. Oh my God, it sucked. But I knew the rules there and I knew what to expect there. And at least there were leeks and onions, and there were like, we were, we were fed, um, even as we were mistreated. So, is that in your view then? And I, and I think I know the answer to this, but is that a necessary part of growth is leaving the comfort of captivity, even yeah. and saying, Hey, there's more out there, but I have to get out of this. Yeah. Even if it's a comfortable jail cell, it's still a fucking jail cell. Yes.
0: Yeah absolutely and I just want to go back to something you said too and I just want to um, add to it like for me and and obviously for you like I had to leave I had to say I'm not standing with this I'm not having my face or my my name associated with this but I also recognize that there are a lot of people that stay and advocate you know I know that there are some people sure. also that do that and that is what they're they're meant to do and that's that is also strong for me and needed to be uh, a separation and a leaving, but I do know that there are some people that stay on purpose to, to try to bring some growth and some truth. And anyway, yeah, the whole, the whole comfort thing. Yeah. It's um, one of my favorite quotes, which is also in the book. God, I'm just outing my nerdness all over the place, but anyway, <laughs> um, is Embrace no, it. there's no, yeah, there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. I think I
2: wrote that one down.
0: Did you? Yeah. I love that. I did.
2: I absolutely did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I
2: wrote that one down.
0: Nice. Well, there's a reason
2: and I'll I'll get to it when you're done.
0: Okay. Okay. It's, um, yeah, for me, it's, I often, uh, and I like, I like my comforts. Like I'm a person, I'm like a self-preservation, like physical space is important to me. I like to feel cozy. I like to feel safe. I am a bit anxious by nature. Um, or not by nature, by experience, probably more than by nature. Life has kicked the crap out of my, you know, whatever. So I, I do have some anxiety sometimes about things and, um, and physical space is important to me. And, but I also recognize that I, that is good. It's safe. It's okay to be in comfort sometimes, but also that is not where the growth happens. The growth happens when you do step outside of that and take a risk and, um, you know, um, I mean, it's the whole I feel like that as a teacher and I say I think I I can't remember now what's in the book and what's not. But, um, you know, something with my students, it's like I want I, say, I want you to make mistakes like I, I want you to make mistakes. I want you to say dumb things out loud by accident. I want you to um, get the answer wrong because that means that you're risking and that you are um, that you are trying, that you are engaging, you're making an effort. If you're sitting there silent and you never make a mistake, that's not winning for me. I would far rather somebody take a risk and make a mistake and screw up and even feel embarrassed than not say anything because I know you're growing. And it's the same in our lives, right? It's easy. It's easy to look good and to look together and to look... I am like, I'm a mess. (laughs) I'm 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 like... Yeah. I mean, like I, I leave notes for my children. Like I was telling you beforehand that I'm going to throat punch you if you steal this charger. Like that's, that is how I care. (laughs) Um, And, and they know I love them. Like there's a foundation of absolute love and it's the same with my students, but it's um, I grow and get better and better and better because I, 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 let myself make mistakes and I let myself feel embarrassed and I let myself, and it's not like I love it. Nobody loves to right. feel embarrassed or feel uncomfortable or feel anxious. And yet I know, I know that it's the only way that I'm actually going to be happy is if right. I'm fully myself and fully out there and fully engaged with all of it. So, yeah. yeah. What were you going to say about so, that quote?
2: Uh, well, full disclosure, um, the, the the phrase comfort zone is a trigger for me. So it, it, um, and there's a, there's a reason behind why I get triggered by hearing the word, those words, comfort zone or, or step out of your comfort zone. Hey, you just need to step out of your comfort zone. It's because it's almost always used as a way to get me to do what they want me to do. Right. So I have, I had to reinvent the phrase for myself. I have no problem with stepping out of this comfort zone, which I'm air quoting right now. Um, because it's the right thing to do. So, uh, let's use some of the most cur- like current events. Uh, black Lives Matter, uh, was something that I wasn't comfortable standing up and saying, Hey, what's happening to my, you know, my black brothers and sisters or my black siblings, uh, or my, the siblings of color that what's going on with them is not okay. And we need to stand up and we need to be vocal and we need to, we need to, Say enough is enough. Um, that was a very uncomfortable place, right? as a white middle aged white man, yeah, to know yeah. that as I say this, the group of people I have around me are not going to react well, but it seems like the word comfort zone is used to instead of say hey you need to you need to become more uncomfortable with being uncomfortable, which is something that i'm I'm trying to hold on to now. Yeah. Is You know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, but it's it's more. It seems to be used in a sense like, hey, I know that you're afraid of heights, but hey, to get out of your comfort zone, let's 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 push you out of a plane.
0: Wear the shit out of you.
2: Right. All right. <laughs> and and r- 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 hey, you got to get you out of your comfort zone, or you're yeah. never going to be able to f- face your yeah. fears. And that's that's the comfort zone that I think is misused. That's yeah. um, it's abusive. Yeah.
0: It's I agree. uh,
2: it's borderline. It was mean and it, it, it's yeah. it's well, it's control but, it's a
0: control tactic for sure right yeah,
2: yeah. so yeah, yeah that's a good word so instead of you know what they're saying when they're saying hey we need you to step out of your comfort zone is no i need you, you need to learn how to be controlled by us
0: yeah because right. you yeah, seem to you, you to seem do. to
2: uh, be okay yeah. with who you are and we need you to be somebody else yeah and that just seems to be so that, uh, but that being said um i absolutely love what you talk about When it comes to stepping outside of your comfort zone, because I think you have a better idea. You have a better definition of what this is. Um, and, uh, so for anyone who is hearing this and we're talking about comfort zone and it triggers them like me, let just know that it's not, it's not done in that, in that, that way that a lot of us are used to hearing where it's, it is, it's more of like a way of controlling and making you step in line with me. Right. And think
1: about too, what's the, what's the impetus for that change? Right. So when it's internal, when it's something, you know, like for me, it had to be, it had, it had to be circumstances that got to a point where I was no longer comfortable. My comfort zone, it wasn't somebody trying to manipulate and pull me into something. Uh, when, when my wife and I were first married and we were first sort of jumping into ministry a little bit, anytime they wanted my wife to go do something she did not want to do, that was the phrase. Like either they tried to couch it in terms of, Well, I really feel like God has gifted you in this way.
0: Oh yeah. Or yeah. we
1: need to step out of your comfort zone and do this. And so mm-hmm. next thing you know, she's running a nursery or something, oh. which is it, it was manipulative, oh, okay. is all it was. It yeah. was, you know,
0: get loud? <laughs> Yeah. It
1: was like oh, you know, like, like hey, <laughs> we need you to be, you know, whatever. And and it was always we we've talked about this for years now, but like if they'd ever just come up to us and said, Listen, I know this is not your strength or your strongest, but we really just need you to step yeah, up and do this. Would stop. you help us with this? Just be fucking honest with yeah. me and yeah. say, Hey, I just need you to do this. Yeah, We would have been like, well, yeah. Okay. For a short for period sure. of time, let's put it, let's don't put a clock ministry,
0: on this, don't you know, but don't
1: try to, but don't lie to me and tell me that, you know, somehow God is, or you've seen a vision where God has gifted me to do this. No, he absolutely (laughs) has not. I just Um, want to say
0: like, just be normal, everybody. Just be normal. normal. Stop trying to,
1: you know, couch everything in super spiritual terms. But, but there is something about that, that push towards growth, where what was once comfortable Mm -hmm. starts to slowly but surely become uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And we start to feel that that itch to go, no, I think I've outgrown this particular shell. It doesn't fit me well anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And then sometimes, I don't know if you're like this, I am like this, I stay too long. Yeah. And so the extraction process is not like, well, I, I just sort of, you know, slip out of this shell. No, it has to blow up.
0: Your feet have been bound and now you've got tiny little feet and you have to try to walk. Yeah. <laughs> no.
1: or, I, or I literally just, I, I can't just gracefully walk away. It has to just completely, yeah. you know, devolve around me. Yeah. And then I look like the asshole because I left and because <laughs> now I left because things got tense. No, I left two years yeah. too late. Yes. And that is on me. Yeah. You know, I should have left at the first inkling. But anyway, yeah. um and I, and I'm with you. I know people who've stayed um and I think for the right reasons. Yeah. And I know people who are like me who are if we're being very honest and you know who you are. Uh, you're just being <laughs> cowards. Like like grow the hell up. But
0: that was me.
1: On. and I'll own that part of my own story. This is I was scared. I was nervous. You yeah. know, there was a huge big unknown of if I step out of this thing I've always known. Yeah. The way honestly, and for me, you don't know my you don't know my whole story, but I had rearranged my life, mm-hmm. quite literally, to do this thing. Yeah. And if I didn't if that wasn't gonna work out, then that was a humongous waste. Yeah. And that was the way I saw things. It's like, well, there there goes the last 10 years of my life.
0: Yeah. You,
1: way to blow it, you know. And, I've, you know, I've, I've since reoriented and reclaimed the value of some of those years. But, man, I tell you what, I'm learning much later in life than I like to admit to, to trust those inklings a mm-hmm. lot more, though. Yeah. When those things first start to feel off, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, let's not make that same mistake again. Yeah. Um, but the discomfort's a real deal man and uh, I, I, I that's just see and guys we're in chapter one chapter one go buy this book go buy this book please dear god go buy this book because we oh. we could talk for an hour about the metaphors used in the first opening chapters and that's um that it's it's yeah. awesome I, I really do appreciate it um thank you and john i i feel like i cut you off you had a question or some
2: no, something I mean, pithy, I, something I was pithy just, to say. no, never, never it's, anything pithy. Totally I'm not, pithy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that good. Uh, but Nat, Nat has a, Nat has a tendency to, uh, talk about, um, I'm going to use this word and it, 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 I'm, I'm going to cringe just saying it, but talking about my bravery as walking away from the church when I was like 18, 19 years old. Um, what, what maybe Nat doesn't know is I had checked out a church when I was about 14. I tried, I tried to hold on. And, uh, so I was going through this phase of changing and not understanding why I was still here, outgrowing the church. And it all came to a head at a, um, an intervention for me. Um, which, uh, I, I have a hard, I have a hard time with interventions because of that. Um, but that was, that was the end of my, my, my ability to hold on to church in any way, shape or form. And I played their game. I cried. The, I cried when I was supposed to cry. I accepted their apologies, or not. I'm sorry, not their apologies. I Thank apologized, you. and I and I allowed them to accept my apology. But inside, I, it, everything just broke. Everything just fell apart. And that was that was the be that was the end for me. Um, and so there was a big blow up, and it, it did not go well. And I and I pushed a lot of people away, and including my brother for a while. And that's, a, that's another whole story that Nat and I will tell someday. Um, but, um, I did come back to this idea of faith and church and all that about seven years ago. And I tried it again. And I was, like I said, I was a worship pastor, associate pastor. But this time I decided when I, when I realized I was, I had outgrown it. I, I had a little bit more wisdom, I guess, to be able to talk to the pastor one on one and say, Hey, this is why I can't do this. Uh, it, it's working for you. It's not working for me. Uh, these are the things that I that I believe in, and I laid it all out. Every every single thing that he and I differed on, I just laid them out point by point by point by point, and said, "I can't preach on any of this because this isn't who we are." And so, because of that, I have I'm not being fair to you. I'm not being fair to myself, and I need to step away. And it, I guess I look at it as a as a a chance to mature to grow to find some wisdom in the way we do this right
0: is more mature and more uh more a place of growth in having those honest conversations and saying i don't i don't know about this part anymore like this whole faking business of like pretending to pretending to believe the same things and pretending to like that is even i mean that is that's new really in terms of history right like the whole right um here, I'm going to sound so smart right now, like the whole Council of Nicaea, thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like where where all of a sudden, like doctrine gets okay. This is what if you're if we're going to do this, this is what you have to believe, and this is like where where the church gets institutionalized, and this is now what we believe, and this is what we're doing. And I know there's been several billion iterations since that time, but really, um, but that is not that is not to me what what needs to happen? What needs to happen is that kind of conversation. Like, Hey, I don't believe the same thing as you. And that's okay. Like it's, you know, um, the whole uncertainty thing. And, uh, anyway, well, I don't want to go down that bog, whatever. But I think too, um, something one of you was saying recently, it made me think of like the whole good, bad split, like something that is like discomfort. Yeah. Like we would, something that I've really learned in the last years as well is this whole uh the way that we relegate things to good or bad the categories of good and bad or um, right. like, this is spiritual and this is natural this is um this is healthy this is unhealthy and I just think it's it's like what what the freak is that sorry look I'm trying to I get spicy with these kind of things because I'm like that's ridiculous it's just all part of the whole there are not right. these- serious delineations between good and bad. And what I've realized this last while is a lot of times the things that I would have said are bad, like discomfort. I don't want to feel discomfort or I don't want to feel lack of comfort or whatever. Just as an example, I've actually been good. And then sometimes the things that I thought were good actually were really bad for me and actually yeah. were really, and and didn't produce growth or joy or authenticity or um, I just, yeah, I think those binaries just don't work. It's always all of the things. It's always and and a lot of times they're in the same category at the same time. It's both. Um, it's never one or the other. Yeah. And yeah, I well, feel. Like my, sorry. Uh, no, that's
2: fine. I was just going to say. Sorry. Say, I, I said
0: <laughs> oh, I'm
2: sorry.
1: I I'm taking it. I'm I'm keeping track of how many stories <laughs> okay. we get. Sorry. That's four. Um, that's fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry about that, but yeah. Uh, are you really? No, not at all. <laughs> if I'm being authentic,
2: no. Uh, uh, all, all I was going to say was, uh, it just seems like we we try to we try to pinch and hold everything into a black and white world when yeah. when more often than not we, we we live in the gray. Yes, and yeah, and and but the church has done a. And I'm sorry, church. I'm going to call you out on some uh, some things because that's apparently what I do. The church has done a really really good job. On making us have to decide between the black and white, between the right and wrong, between the us and them, between, you know, the the list can go on and on and on. And then when you step outside of that and you start looking at the, the, the similarities and how we are connected and interconnected, you start to realize that this is all just a, just a crock of bullshit. I mean, it's just, it's just not even, and, and then you go and then you're like, that's not even how Jesus taught us to do it, right? I mean, yeah. if you go right. back to the teachings of Jesus, who we are supposedly, we follow him, right? Uh Christian now, is... To a, to a point, John. Right. Let's, right. Let's, let's keep things in check. Well, we follow we follow Christ until Paul says something better. And then we follow Paul. Right. Right. But...
0: But not that because she's not allowed in the Bible anymore. That's oh, right.
1: No. <laughs> right. Right. There's another well, one. Uh, <laughs>
2: 15.
0: <laughs> well, like, co-leader? Yeah. Don't...
2: Oh, yeah. No. I mean, well, yeah. The church has literally changed female names to male names just so they don't have to admit that they're that uh, one of these people was actually uh, a female. No. It's like, God forbid, uh, God speaks through a female. So, I mean, what's the ass, worst thing that could happen than that?
0: Okay, an ass is okay, but not
2: a female.
1: Yeah, I love this discussion of 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 the dualism that we talk about, the binary choices that we make, and. um one of the gifts, you know, along with some of the other crap, though, that came out of the grace movement, um, was this ability to, to evaluate things differently. And, and what I landed on a lot of this stuff was still, I guess, still somewhat of a binary choice on some level, but taking it out of the realm of good and bad, right and wrong. Um, I came along this other binary choice of life and death.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which to Perfect. me is a
1: more a moving target. Yeah. Because discomfort can be a signal that things are not right. Yeah. Or it can also be that thing that propels you into what is what is more healthy and life-giving. And so now I make choices based on even if it's uncomfortable and painful, I don't automatically dismiss that as bad. I say, well, yeah, but what's the end result? Is this leading me towards authenticity, which is a life choice? Or is it pushing me back into a closeted space where I have to now? You know, that's one of the reasons that I left the last church I was in. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. They were good people, um, but like John, I got to a place where I, I, I just can't toe the party line anymore, and I'm doing them a disservice by going out and being my authentic self and still attaching myself to what they're doing. I'm going to hurt them, and so I'd rather just be on my own, responsible to me and to you know to that way, I can be as batshit crazy as I want. And I can say stuff that doesn't, you know, that might offend and might hurt someone's yeah. feelings. And, um, but oh. it was, it was a life giving choice for me. I couldn't continue to play, you know, faithful staff member to a church whose ideology I didn't wholesale dis, you know, disbelieve. But there are certain parts of it that I, that I strongly disagreed with. And it did and it was not the freedom there to say, listen, we can still coexist. But I disagree with all of this. I think all this is wrong. Um, the, the not so subtle message was, if you're on staff here, then you need to be on staff and carry the, you know, you know, how, you know how the old saying goes, right? Carry the vision of the, of the pastor. Um, and, and, and I couldn't faithfully and honestly do that. So life and death choices to me are a binary choice that I think I can still make. Um, because even within that structure, there's still, there's still some nuance, you know, but but that's just my, that's just my take. And I might believe something different tomorrow. Who knows? It's, I'm very, uh, I'm open.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And we have to be right. I mean, if things don't, if things don't, if we don't evolve and change, we die. Right. Right. We just, as soon as something stops growing, it becomes stagnant and it rots or dies or, and I think the experience for me of, um, and I, again, I am not, Anti church, it is not for me right now. I don't know what the future holds. Um, at this point, I can't imagine, unless I found a place that I don't know. No, I, I actually like where I am. I actually like this. <laughs> I like this little tent city I found in the wilderness of like people. Um, but for me, when I left, I mean, I had I had gone to church every single week, at least once, more often than that, more that more times, um, my entire life. Um, up until three and a half years ago, and it was a weird talking about discomfort. I felt so ill at ease. I was like, oh, I felt I felt awkward and uncomfortable, and I felt like I lost my comfort. Um, especially when I I went through a phase where I really was holding God at arm's length. Some really difficult things happened in my life that that shook me. I'm not going to lie; that really uh, shook my faith, and that has never happened to me before. And I thought, what? But I I don't believe that. I'm not a name it and claim it person. I'm not a like, you know, if you pray it, it will happen. Like, whatever. If that was the case, then everybody in the world would have enough to eat. Everybody would be healthy. Everybody would be, you know, and it's not the case. So what is the point of right. prayer? I'm not really sure. Maybe just communication. But um, yeah, for sure. anybody, you know, I mean, I read all the books. I prayed all the prayers. And guess what? To what end? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, still, I still found yeah. myself experiencing some things that I never thought I would ever experience, and that's is usually the case for all of us, right? We think, what? Yeah. Um, and and I, but it's the last few years. Um, initially, I felt like I lost my comfort, like the ways that I used to uh, feel better, like by praying, by passing things over to God, by All of a sudden I felt like I didn't have that anymore. And I just had to sit with my anxiety or sit with my, um, and, and it felt awful. And I realized that there have been a lot of times that, that has ended up being a bypass, right? Where I haven't sat with it, where I didn't, um, feel all the things where I, I made it. Uh, I don't know. I numbed using God or using worship music or using, and I didn't actually deal with it. And I'm not saying those things are bad at all. I'm not saying prayer or worship music or anything. Cause you know what? I know it's, it's super weird, but I like, I still listen to worship music. I still <laughs> I sit down and play the piano yeah. and like make myself feel better. Not you.
2: <laughs> no,
0: there are some no. songs that make me throw up in my mouth. I will not lie.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. But there are a mm-hmm. few that I'm like, Oh, it just feels good. It's just, um, but it's been a weird phase of fi- like, Oh, but now I'm back to a place of feeling that comfort again, of just feeling like, I don't know, presence of like safe, of which doesn't really make sense. And I don't even know what it is, but I, I think it's a divine thing. I think it's God, but it's yeah, yeah but it was no, a weird, I, yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah, I, I find that, uh, you know, and I've yet to find a pastor who would agree with this, but as I became more uncertain, um, my comfort and my anxiety my comfort went up and my anxiety went down
0: yeah
2: as as i realized that i didn't have the answers and it didn't it didn't really it it just didn't matter and you
0: don't and have to yeah it, it was
2: okay to be uncertain it was okay to say i don't know uh i think the best one of the best responses to anything um is to say honestly i don't know but i'll sit here with you while we both don't know yep and let's that, how about we just how about we just sit in that yeah and and try to and try to and just try to become okay with that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, the church at large a lot of times wants to make sure that you're certain, make sure that you have the that you're on the right path. And there's a
0: script. There's a script. Say this. If there's right. that, yeah. you yeah. say this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. And it's just it's you know it it's just a, it's a level of bullshit that I'm just no longer um, comfortable with. Uh, it's a level of bullshit that I'm no longer okay with. And it's it's just. Nothing else in life works that way. Nothing. You know, you, you take on a new job, which is something you talk about in the, you know, you, you take on this new job, right? And there's nothing certain about that at all, right? You, you, you buy a new house. You, you, and you fill it. I mean, any of these things, you become friends with people that you've never met before and you decide to, you know, become friends with them. This is all worlds of uncertainty and we, and we grow from that. And then the church turns around and says, no, let's, Let's make everything certain and solid and let's yeah. live there. And, and yeah. it's like, it's the death. exact opposite Great of how everything death. else works.
0: It becomes a monument. It becomes not a living Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I am very, very comfortable these days. And and I don't know. I feel like this is a good place to start to wind down, John, if that's okay with you. I have to get, speaking of uncertainty, yeah, but, but, <laughs> that's but that's yeah. Richard Rohr and people like him, um, and people like you, I'll put you in the same camp. On uh, honestly, um, but who have invited us back into something that's mysterious,
0: mm.
1: something that is larger than can be contained inside of a religious system. Um, that that's been a, that's been one of the most revelatory things of my life. Like it's revolutionized the way I see God. It's revolutionized the way I see. Um, the way that I interact with my fellow human beings, it's taken me to a place where I can stay here. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Without that, I don't think I could have stayed. Right. Without the freedom to have something that's sort of malleable and says, listen, yeah, we live in this place, um, but there's so much we don't know and so much we're still learning. And that's, I like it. Mm -hmm. I'm much, much more comfortable anymore with good questions than I am with Pat answers, Yeah, you know? And even if the answers to those questions are in the short term, I just, I don't know. You know, Paul Bergman, who we've had on the show a couple times now, who is one of my favorite people ever, um,
0: <laughs> but talks about being me. an
1: agnostic. Just kidding. Being an agnostic in the truest sense, you know? In that sense, you just embrace the fact that you don't know, yeah. you know, I, and that you have certain hunches, and I'm going with those hunches for now. Yeah. And some of those hunches have to do with Jesus, and that's fine. Yeah. I have a hunch that there are things I read in Scripture that absolutely resonate. And I think Jesus taught a much, much better way. Yes. And those things resonate with me very deeply, and so they resound with me as true. Yeah. Um, But there's a whole lot more that, I, that I'm that i just fine saying, yeah. Eh, but the rest of it I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Well, there are parts— It is I do believe. I do believe Jesus. Like the whole the way, the truth and the life, like you know what? Yeah, I think that Jesus was a role model or is a role model in terms of the way and the truth and the life in order to really be whole and to live well and to I do I do think that, you know, and Yeah, for sure. In order to experience God and the divine and you know, not necessarily because we are so bad and we need to be saved from our badness. I don't know, but oops, I shouldn't have just thrown that in there like that. But
1: No, um, I like that though. It's good. Um
0: yeah, <laughs> but, but in terms of like this this role model, this this human is how to do life well and how to love well and how to be the most fulfilled, the best version of ourselves, the best in relationship, the best in community. And um I'm gonna yeah. say one more thing really fast that I thought Please of earlier. Do and that I, I just thought of again now when you were talking. Um, it's the whole, do you remember the movie, The Truman Show? with like? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yes.
2: Yeah.
0: It's yeah. this weird thing where it's this social experiment and his whole life he suddenly realizes has actually been contained in this dome and the sky is not actually the sky and the, and the trees aren't actually the trees and like this, his life is actually very small, but it's been everything he's known and it's been this safe, weird contained environment. And I, I sometimes feel like that about the church. Um, I just was thinking about that right now when you're speaking, that it's almost like the Truman Show where it is, the church can be, ideally, I'm air quoting here, uh, can be a safe place. And uh, this place where, you know, it's protected and it's a little maybe, no, I've I'm, I'm taken back everything I just said. But anyway, yeah. the whole Truman Show thing, I just want to say there, you know, all of a sudden you realize the more you mature and the more you realize you don't actually know you realize, oh my gosh, I'm in this container. I'm in a container and there's so much more outside of here that is real and that is not bad and that is not scary and evil. It is just more and it's it's less protected. It's less certain. And yet it's it's very real and very rich and very loving and very yeah. Yeah. Uh, whole. And it's, it's okay to go outside of the, the little safe container Truman Show.
1: Yeah. Dome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. You've, you've, we've used the the container analogy a couple of times here. Now I'm actually, I'm actually going to ruminate on that a little bit because mm. that's, that's resonating something in me, this mm. whole, because um, yeah, so often we confuse the container with the contents Yes, and we've tried so hard to stuff God into a box that we've mm. confused the box with God. Yeah. And we've thought that that thing that we've, that we've sought to contain him in is him, yeah, or it, or her, or whatever we've used to define. Yeah. And so, um, I like that. I just like it's going to it's going gonna, it's gonna to bounce around my brain here for a few yeah. days, and then later on, I'll claim it as my own. Okay, so, yeah, just just so you know. put it in my next book. year when you read it in my in my in my New York Times best selling book. You'll be like, I <laughs> I planted that seed, and I, I I will obliquely sort of say, well, yeah, uh-huh.
0: a little yeah. bit, you know. You can give so, a nod.
1: When I'm being interviewed by, you know, I don't know Oprah. who, Oprah. Phil Donahue. No, he's dead, isn't he? No. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> this is how, this is how op- hopelessly out of touch I am with all of that shit. Yeah. I'm like, Phil Donahue? Really? Who the hell talks about? I don't know where
0: that comes from. <laughs> Ricky Lee.
1: <laughs> the, the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, Like the like the deep, dark crevices of my addled brain.
0: Oh, um,
1: that's a good place to stop, John. Yeah. I'm going to stop talking <laughs> Yeah. You gotta get to work. I gotta get to work. Yeah. I need to get the closet. Uh, Wait a minute, that came out yeah, wrong.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys, this has been great. Honestly, I was, oh, you know, I was stressing about not being able to prepare, like to have some things to say about certain things. But honestly, you guys are so easy and enjoyable to chat with. I've really enjoyed our conversation. Oh yeah. I I, likewise. Likewise. yeah. So
1: so so glad we made I know we I know we had to wrangle a little bit to get the times right and uh um Man, I'm just I'm just so glad we that we did, mm-hmm. um, and I, I would yeah. love to check back in with you after your book's been out for a little while, and mm-hmm. obviously has amazing success. Uh, let's talk about how rich you're getting off this. I mean, <laughs> I mean how many how much how many how many people you're helping with your book? I like how Meg <laughs> talks about it because Meg always says, you know, who talks about it in terms of who do you want to serve with yeah. this book? You know, yeah. and I'm like, that was such a a shift in my perspective. It yeah. helped me a lot. Go, really oh, that's a good question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: I care more about that, and I'm under no illusions that any of us are going to make a ton of money on any of this. But <laughs> I, I would like to be of service to somebody. <laughs> so exactly. I think exactly. your book will serve a lot of people. I really oh, do I think hope so. I and hope so. and I am super, super happy that. Yeah. And I and I, I will tell everyone that I know to buy a copy. If you're listening, buy a copy. Don't be a don't be a tool. Buy a copy, man.
0: Buy a copy. Um, and it finally just came out on Kindle as well. It uh, there was some sort of delay. Oh, nice. I mean, we just blame everything on COVID. I'm not sure what happened, but oh, sure, sure. But it did just come out on Kindle as well, and um, next month I will be recording the Audible version myself. Yes, nice. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be.
1: I was, I was literally just going to ask you that because yeah. I, I love it when authors read their own books. Me
0: too. Me too. Yeah.
1: I keep I keep telling Brad, you know Brad, right? I don't so, know. Do you know him, him personally? Okay. No, no, well, no. reach out to him. If enough people call him and tell him stop letting people read your book because <laughs> they're terrible at it, and you would be amazing, Brad, if you're listening, read your own freaking book, your man, Brad, your
0: own book. Yeah,
1: um, read your own book in be yeah, your, your beautiful Canadian lilty accent. I love it. All of your all of your Canadian goodness can come out. But um, <laughs> I can't wait. I will. I will absolutely buy the audio. I have I have Audible credits just waiting for your book. Woo! So. I will reserve one for you. Um, anyway, make sure and check out all of Ellen's stuff. We'll link to all of her things in the show notes. Um, buy her book, buy her book, man. Support support people who are putting out good content. Um, John and I will be back to hopefully check in with her after she hits the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Hey, we've already pushed
1: one into there, right? I mean, Kristen Dumais, you're welcome. Um,
0: we pushed you in.
1: <laughs> we had you on the show. Next thing you know. You're on the New York times list. Coincidence? Yes. Probably, but I don't think so, <laughs> but we appreciate you. And thank you for making the time. And uh, man, I just, uh, I don't know a good way to stop other than to say, thank you. Yeah. Thanks, for, Thanks for coming guys. on. This
0: is great. Appreciate it. I this. Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to this is not church. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. If you would like to partner with us, visit patreon.com slash thisisnotchurch where you will receive exclusive content such as early access to episodes, videos of upcoming episodes, and live Q&A sessions. Be sure to check out our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. We'll be back soon with another episode.